geek kind of I've been studying because of my relationship with Andrew Goss, I have always thought, and he brought this up first, that if the people who own Dollar Inc., and we can argue who they are, and we probably got a pretty good idea, right, if we had time to write them all down on a piece of paper, whoever owned Dollar Inc., if Bitcoin or any crypto would ever really threaten the dollar, they would figure out a way just to make it illegal. You can't do it or shut it down or burn it, or wouldn't they? Something, wouldn't they? I mean, if you so, own Dollar Inc. and Bitcoin was really giving sure. you a bad hair day, wouldn't you, with all <laughs> your money and power and control, wouldn't you just kick its ass some way? And you could do so it this, politically. This is my you? major theory. Yeah. If, if you make it illegal, you make it a martyr. And if you make it a martyr, you just make the true believers stronger. Oh. <laughs> and, and so the, the better way to deal with something that is fundamentally very disruptive is to make its users docile. Make its users and docile. So this is kind of like, okay, how do, we, how, do, how do we stop the peasants from uprising, right? right? Well, give them free health care. Give them free. Okay, here's here's your Obama phone. Here's your free this and that. Like you kind of you keep them like we're gonna cancel just, your student just loans. wealthy we're enough so they don't kill you. We're gonna cancel your student loans. You know things like that. Right. Exactly. Okay. And, okay. and 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 these are these are things. I mean, people know that this happens. Of like this is this is why the welfare state exists. It's yeah. to to keep people like, hey, we're not gonna let you starve to death, but make sure you vote for us. <laughs> That's right. And. <laughs> And it's I, I see that very much as as what happened in the Bitcoin economy with oh. the like, hey, if you just do nothing, the price of Bitcoin is going to go up forever. And this became the message. But it became the message after we saw a pretty strategic investment into uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin related businesses and infrastructure starting in 2014. And these are from the likes of uh, MasterCard Ventures, mm. uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, which a lot of people don't realize is one of the largest traders of commodities in the world. Uh, also companies like New York Life Insurance or AXA Global, which is the largest insurance company in, in Europe. Mm. Um, and, and we saw in 2014 and 15 companies getting bought up who were independent Bitcoin, like, hey, we're an exchange or we're a mining company or we're a wallet provider or some of these things. And they all get consolidated under this very tight umbrella. And all the money came from old world payments and old world finance. Wow. And well, so then, so then what, what did Bitcoin become in the 2014 to 17 era? Well, any discussion of payments turned into, Hey, no, 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 no. You don't ever want to spend your Bitcoin yeah, save it. because yeah. if you, yeah, yeah, right. Save it. Yeah. It's a really great savings technology. You'll be rich if yeah. you do nothing to disrupt the payment space, uh. <laughs> like sponsored by MasterCard. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> It literally became the biggest influencers in Bitcoin went from two years ago, like, hey, I got my local pizza place to accept Bitcoin payments to, right, right. hey, if anybody tells you to spend your Bitcoin, call them a scammer. Just use fiat. Literally just use MasterCard. Interesting. And so in my opinion, as soon as that number went up, as soon as Bitcoin then went up to $20,000 and everyone got rewarded for doing nothing, I think that that flipped it. There's no reason to destroy Bitcoin anymore because Bitcoin isn't threatening anyone anymore. And, wow. And, and, and I think that's the power of it. That's, yeah. That's really that, what I think happened. That's an interesting theory. I mean, if you if you talk about globalists, whoever they are, the UN or you know IMF and World Bank, God knows who, um, people with golden toilet seats and stuff, if they really want to make us stupid and not do anything, this is a beautiful thing. 
I mean, you know, yeah. right? Don't spend them. It, it, spend is, them. it is itself. It is the universal basic income. It checks all those same boxes. Wait a minute. Like, don't what? worry. The just UBI? sit there. Just You'll get rich there. anyways. Wow. And they don't really care if Patrick makes $20,000 in 2024 in Bitcoin. What do they care? Right? Because I'm going to spend yeah. it and buy some of their stuff anyway. Right? They don't care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Wow. Well, that's pretty trippy. So what about then BSV, the one that you like? Talk about what they're are they going to have a you do you all have a you part of it i guess you're part of the bsv community or you're one I run of the, a, i run a bsv focused mining pool a mining pool uh, and which I'm means invested. you mine them you mine them we mine them yeah we we run large hashing operations and wow. a data center that processes transactions wow are you going to have is there just a limited amount of bsvs it's it's identical to Bitcoin. Anything you ever heard about Bitcoin applies to BSV before the 2017 era. Now the like the, there has been a divergence. Uh, but uh, if you were to watch an ad about what is Bitcoin, circa you know 28 or 2008 up to about 2016, that's BSV. There's 21 million coins. They use SHA-256 cryptography uh, in order to process digital um, <clears throat> signatures. There is, uh, you know, you use a distributed consensus. It's it's very, um, you're, it's it is like the classic Bitcoin essentially. But uh, why would a pizza place uh, accept BSV when they don't not even willing to accept BTH? I mean D BTC. I mean, yeah. So what are you going to do well, with and, this BSV? Aren't you just doing another like Bitcoin? Another digital Bitcoin's goal. First problem to solve was not disrupting pizza place payment uh, systems, right? So people try to do that. I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing that. And in fact, I would argue that it is a net good for us to use the, the money that we have. But what BSV has focused on uh, is, is some of the other and lesser explored aspects of Bitcoin. And this is the fact that like your, uh, your digital keys are a really good way to log into and to store valuable data, for example. So data becoming the commodity that underpins Bitcoin itself, for example. Uh, so this can be how do I send you an encrypted message? Mm -hmm. Like right now, if we were to do that, some people will say, oh, let's just use WhatsApp or Telegram or Signal. Like these are decent options in some regards, but uh, I'm a I'm a former cybersecurity professional myself. And I, I look at all three and say, well, here's, here's the things you don't know about how these systems work. Uh, but with Bitcoin, it's like a globally auditable attestation of like, we can all see how that it works and we can bootstrap a payment channel we can essentially uh, stake a, a penny or something and then use that open channel for us to communicate with each other. Oh. And that becomes, that becomes very easy for us to, uh, for us to just have a, a, a very simple, but globally encrypted chat. And just doing that is something that is very valuable in and of itself. Like it is a tool so. that Bitcoin yeah. allows to happen. Oh. And, and people would minimize it because, well, I already have WhatsApp on my phone or whatever else. And it's like, okay, well, but WhatsApp is just for texting. Like I will text my grandma on WhatsApp and that's fine. Yeah. But if I needed to actually have a mission critical conversation with somebody, I probably would not recommend using that tool. And that's just one example. So if, if you were to take, uh, let's take the ad model of, of Twitter, Facebook, and Google. Uh-huh. We don't even know the names of the marketing companies right now that buy your data from these people. But we do know that if you and I, if you and I just start talking about soccer for the next 10 minutes, right. all of a sudden, I want every ad, you know, in between YouTube videos is going to start trying to sell me cleats and soccer balls. Yeah. 
<laughs> so how is that happening? And the answer is, is you, you don't know. We can't know. They will not sell you the information that explains who these companies are and how they do this with our data. Now, Bitcoin, what if, what if instead of Twitter being, well, free, it used to be completely free. Now it's eight bucks a month if you want to have a blue check mark. But if you, if you want to no longer be the product and maybe you were to pay a tenth of a penny every time you made a post on Twitter, but as part of that, you make an agreement that any ad revenue that is generated from your interaction is paid to you peer to peer directly from the company you're marketing for. So instead of this weird middleman whose name we don't know, I actually have Adidas paying me directly uh, to look at an ad for cleats or soccer balls or whatever else. Mm. And you can do you can do this with Bitcoin. You can completely cut out the middleman in there. There's no reason to have a third party in the middle of any economic transaction with Bitcoin. And so BSV is focused on things like that. So there's a marketing basically a marketing marketplace protocol called Tonic Pow that does exactly that. It allows you to completely cut out marketing middlemen just by following this basic set of rules that's been established. And then you can extrapolate that out to all the other things in the internet, uh, just using open protocols and using Bitcoin essentially as the internet itself. Like we're essentially bypassing the internet and allowing us to have peer-to-peer -peer social interactions that are they're juicy. They're not nerdy. You don't have to code. Like there's none of that kind of thing. We can have interactions that that work entirely over Bitcoin. They're censorship resistant. You own your data and you own the value that you create in these interactions. Interesting. Okay, we've got a few geeky emails. Are you ready? Are you got your geeky hat on? Because Always. I don't even I don't <laughs> even know what these things mean. I don't know where these people come from. All right. According to publicly available data. The BSV blockchain is over seven terabytes. Is that what it is, TB? And growing something like gigabytes that, yeah. each day. Is that a problem for decentralization as it makes running a node less accessible to the average user? In contrast, the BTC blockchain, after 14 years, is less than 600 gigabytes in total data. What is he, what is he getting at here? What is this email? I mean, this... So... so Earlier in the show, we talked about the two kinds of computers on the network. Uh, BTC people have a really out of scope value for this concept of a very simple person being able to spin up a node and validate their own transactions. Um, that is more difficult on a seven terabyte chain than it is on a 600 gigabyte chain. It's so By, huge. It's just so huge, right? Because it's size. Yeah. You literally, because you have to download all the data and right. synchronize it and right. validate it. Right. Now, I argued earlier in the show that how do we know that any of those are valid in the first place? I, I would argue that we should assume that they are malicious actors on the network from a security standpoint. We shouldn't just assume they're good because they exist. And so what matters to me are those 12 or 15 companies that are building blocks who's, who are using their real identity, making a real investment in the infrastructure of the network, and that they are maintaining and validating the network and then using the cryptographic proof aspect of Bitcoin to say, here is our cryptographically hashed attestation that the network is secure and we are banking not only our reputation, but also the millions or in some case, billions of dollars that we've invested into the infrastructure of the network. And so it's decentralization, in my opinion, is sufficient at 12 or 20 nodes. And, and that's it. I think that that is a good thing. 
and nowhere else on earth in the entire data economy is anybody looking at seven terabytes of data and saying that it's too big. You can go buy a seven terabyte hard drive on Amazon for, I'm not even sure, but I know it's less than $200. You probably do it for less than $100 if you're pretty good at shopping. But that is not a lot of data. Uh, and if we're talking about global money, we need to stop looking at small things like that and actually like let the economy solve some of these problems of scale. Do you think uh, you satisfied this uh, emailer's question? It's, it depends why they're asking. Why they're it's, asking. A, it's a deeply political question. Huh. It's, it's a little bit... It's, imagine he is a, a Muslim and I am Jewish and you're a Christian. And the question is, who is God and why? Really? Well, yeah. Well, we like those kind of questions. He's got a yeah. second question, this fellow, whoever he is, or girl. Shouldn't assume he's a boy. Since BSV runs the same proof-of-work algorithm, SHA256, here's a real geek, as BTC, does it make a susceptibility to 51% attacks and our block reorgs since it has only a fraction of the many miners running the BSV chain in comparison to the BTC, 500 pH petahashes on BSV and 400 EHs exahashes on BTC. What the hell did he just say? <laughs> so, what okay, is he, so what is he going, in, where's he going Bitcoin, with this? Where's he going with this? There is, so what, what he's saying in short is, is BSV insecure ah. uh, or unsecure? Um, mm -hmm. the, the concept is in, in Bitcoin that it should be computationally difficult to lie. That's, that's the, the basic principle that he's addressing that in Bitcoin, if more computers agree that one thing is Bitcoin and the other thing is not, that the thing that is not should die. And, and I agree that is, that is a Bitcoin principle. However, when like basically everybody collectively said, we're going to split the network, uh, things changed a little bit. Now in either a world where there are three competing versions of Bitcoin or a world where there's just a Bitcoin, one, one gigantic unified chain, we have a question to ask, like, is, is the truth a popularity contest and is everything computation? So this is, again, it gets very political. Uh, mm. Satoshi Nakamoto describes honest nodes in the white paper. And these are nodes that build honest blocks. And an honest block is one that uh, will not build on a, a theft, a double spend. <laughs> this is what Bitcoin was designed to solve. But the question is, is what if malicious actors control more of the network than the good people. Well, what happens in that case? Well, in, in that case, in theory, they can spend money to, to terrorize the network. But the question is, is what is the cost of that terrorism and why would you participate in it? Because Bitcoin's economic game theory is designed to reward you for good behavior. And it's designed to punish you for bad behavior. And so if I take... Uh, for example, my company manages about $2 million worth of hash power. Uh, that is something like 20 petahashes of hash power. Now, this is a, it, it's a unit of measurement. Uh -huh. Now, BTC, the average BTC pool is orders of magnitude larger than night pool. So we're talking about minimum, you'd probably need to spend $100 million to have a pool that can mine blocks on BTC. Wow. But in order for them to attack BSV, they would need, 
I don't know, maybe $50 million worth of infrastructure to do that. And then an ongoing cost, it would probably cost $10,000 an hour, plus the opportunity cost of not doing something profitable with your equipment. And so you're, you're asking, what he's really asking is, is wouldn't it make sense for somebody to lose $10,000 an hour plus the depreciation on their $50 million worth of equipment in order to attack BSV for some reason? Either simple terrorism or an opportunity at theft. Now, why would, it, why would theft not be profitable in this situation? Theft wouldn't be pro- pro- uh, profitable because it causes a reputational damage to BSV, which would damage BSV's price. Oh. And so if you thought the attack would be profitable because you were going to make $50 million, well, that's no longer the case because the price of the coin has dropped because the network has been deemed unsecure. And so you have lost money. You've lost a considerable amount of money attempting to attack it. So the only real question is, how do you stop BSV from being attacked for the sake of terrorism? Now, this one is interesting because we're assuming that there is enough hash power out, that there's somebody out there that has $50 million worth of hash power that doesn't have some kind of identity for which he will be in trouble for attacking the system. Now, could this happen? It, it, sure, it could happen. But this is, this is game theory. This is kind of like, could a comet hit the world? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it has happened before. It will likely happen again. But how do you, how do you drag that into your investment thesis? <laughs> right? And so if somebody was going to attack the system, uh, we have to assume that they are somehow impervious to lawsuit. They're impervious to, I mean, literal acts of terrorism. Like it is illegal to uh, do a cyber attack against a public network, for example. And so they'd have to be very wily uh, or very, very, you know, evil, well-connected, whatever, you know, make your, make your analogy there. And so all that to say, um, I find it extremely unlikely. It has been attempted twice. There have been two separate times where there has been an attempt to overpower BSV in order to, uh, in one case, uh, steal money. And in another case, seemingly to, to just sort of terrorize network stability and both essentially failed. Like there was a little bit like, oh, okay, hey, we we see this happening instantly because it's a, again a globally public network. Um, there were people that alleged there was a big theft that occurred, but there's been no proof given to anybody that it ever happened. Hmm. And there would be proof on the blockchain if it did happen. Uh, and then the second time around, it basically just was resolved because, well, how long is somebody just going to sit and try to terrorize the network? It is a self-healing mechanism. And the fact that you are rewarded for doing good work means that bad work will not likely happen. And if people attempt to do it, they won't do it for long. And this is what's been observed in the wild. So I would argue BSV has shown that by all means, you can attempt to attack it, but it will reward you if you just play nicely. And that has worked out so far. So it feels like this is almost a strange human earth plane thing where uh, started a bunch of years ago with people like Satoshi Nakamoto guy who wanted to do something cool, different outside of the dollar. And then, you know, just like in any time when you get a bunch of people together, people split up and say, no, I want a yellow house. No, I want a red house. And it's just human nature, right? And this is what's... Indeed. This is what's going and, on. And, yeah. and in this space, I think it's really important to, to point out, like we are talking about 
very high level computer science concepts and game theory concepts and macroeconomics. Yeah. Huge. And it is, and it is not, these are not fields where lots of people can have a valuable opinion. No. And then the people who do among those, among those, there's a very high occurrence of high functioning autism. And we wow. see these types of people who then come up with an edge case scenario and because of the, the different way that they think, they kind of can't get over the fact that there isn't an absolute solution. Like it seems to bug them that the solution in Bitcoin is a competitive one when it could be cryptographic, for example. Like you could make it computationally impossible to steal a Bitcoin. That's not difficult to do. But Satoshi Nakamoto didn't do it that way. He made it that you have to be good at cooperating with other people, mm. that it had to be competitive. And then if, but part of your competitive edge needs to be your ability to cooperate with lots of people. And to an autistic person, they look at this and say, there's a simple math answer to this, but he made it about human interaction, <laughs> which is fundamentally problematic to an autistic person, which is a large portion of the people that are arguing about the security problems and the, all these other things in Bitcoin. It's just a... If, if you're accurate about Satoshi's thing and then he's beat the BFs, BSV vision, that would, you know, from a spiritual or karmic perspective, I would argue that that's might be a cleaner, a cleaner um, philosophical cooperation and stuff like that, right? Sure. I mean, you could, you I, could make that argument. I like I, that analogy. You know, I don't I, know, I, you know. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a karma dude. This is great. This is from Doris. Could your guest tell us the market capital of these three Bitcoins he's talking about? So market capital, does that mean if you take, for BTC example, $30,000 times how many Bitcoins are out there, that would be the Correct. market cap? Do you know the market yep. cap of these three guys just off the top? Uh, off the top of my head, I know uh, BSV is a little under a billion dollars globally. BSV, a billion. Um, BSV, and then BTC is, <sighs> I can check. <laughs> this is publicly available information. Well, it'll be fine, just to, just to uh, give our... Yeah, it, I mean, it's probably right around a trillion dollars. Uh, or five, no, 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 it'd be five or six hundred Half billion. A yeah, it'd be five or six hundred billion. Half a trillion. And then the cash yeah. one, the cash one, B BCH? Uh, Bitcoin Cash would be okay at two hundred. What is that? It's like two, between two and three hundred dollars. So it would probably be f between three and five billion dollars in market cap. Okay, about five times bigger. So this is also a good question from Teresa. Does your care? Does your guest care if the one that he's promoting BSV goes up in value? Do you care? Um. Well, I think it's important to point out I'm not necessarily promoting it, okay? Because um, I don't, I I don't care if anybody buys it, and frankly, uh, you know, buying it, I I would really like somebody to buy it if they had a use for it to make the network itself more valuable. Buy it to make it more valuable. Mm. The same reason you might buy a hammer, like you should buy a hammer if you need to build a house or or a deck. <laughs> um, that being said. Uh, I, I am an investor. Uh, I, I hold a significant part of my portfolio is in BSV. Right. Uh, I'm also invested in BSV-related infrastructure. Uh, but my pool, uh, Gorilla Pool, is the name of my company. 
Um, I, I would love to see the network have terabyte sized blocks every block because we would be earning lots and lots of money. So mm. I see it more as I would love for you to come up with a business that can only exist because of the power that exists in BSV and then generate lots and lots of volume. Like I want economic activity to make its way to the network, uh, in which case I, I think it's way more valuable than just my coin value going up, but ultimately you know, my productivity doesn't go up. I'm, 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 I hate being a passive investor. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I want to wake up in the morning and work. Interesting. Well, yeah, what a concept, you know, and I, I think to your point, if, if the, the BTC people are about that, I mean, don't we see that going on everywhere with the, um, you know, universal basic income and we're going to, you know, we're going to get rid of your student loan debt, everything that the government's about yeah is to make us weaker. I mean, that's just a fact, yep. right? It's just a fact. You can't argue sure. that. You just can't argue that. They want us weaker, right? And they want us to say what they like us to say as they get the central bank digital currency. You know, they're going to be, you know, giving me a hard time if I own those things, which I don't want. I don't want them. If I talk badly about whatever, the germ theory that I don't believe in, and they'll just lower, <laughs> they'll just lower my, my little... Central yeah, bank your, digital your currency, yeah, my social credit and, score. Yep. This is what this is about, right? For for the central bank digital currency. Wow. Do you think that when the CB central bank thing comes out in the next years, I don't know how many, that it's going to be bullish for cryptos like Bitcoin? Do you think it'll be people will go to those more or less or be fearful? I think so. I, the the concept of a CBDC, I think, really is a product of us not using Bitcoin in business. Oh. I, you, I know you can find video of me in 2016 or 17 saying, "Guys, if we don't use this as a as a business tool, it's going to be treated as a weird investment vehicle, and then all of Bitcoin's really disruptive properties are going to be instituted by some other system." That is not nearly as good as as it could be with Bitcoin, which is central and bank so digital currency. I, I think right. that's exactly what we're seeing playing out right now. Wow, well, that's a tr um, what? Oh, so I think you already answered this, but somebody else is asking about it. I don't trust any of this stuff because what if the government just makes it illegal? From Richard, I think we covered that. Um, you repeat what you said. If the government just said, well, they did it in 1933, right? They just voted sure. and said, well, we'll just, you can't own gold and you bring it in and we'll give you 20 bucks and, and, and the story. And then in 71, they said, if you hold it outside the country, we're not going to give you gold for it anymore. Richard Nixon on that fateful day. So they can do whatever they want, governments, and they do. So yeah. would it be, I mean, what would happen if they just say, it's illegal to own Bitcoin and you could go to jail if you used it? I mean, what would that do to it? I mean, I actually think that would be bullish, um, but the government won't do that. <laughs> you really are a geek, man. <laughs> so, That's great. Well, so what I said earlier is, you know, if they made it illegal, then right. it becomes a martyr. And then that makes, like, that is energizing. That's an energizing force for Bitcoiners. Right. So you don't want to do that. What what you want to do is make people docile. Uh, and it's, a, it's the same reason. It's why we don't declare war anymore. We've been at war for you know, 30 years straight, sure. but it's never, it's not actually a war. It's a police action or it's a, you know, it's whatever, whatever. else. Yeah, whatever. And so, yeah. it, so it just makes it that like, oh, well, 
you know, and you just, you get lost in the techno babble and whatever. And then you just say, okay, I guess I'll just go back to work. I've got bills to pay. <laughs> and, and this is kind of what we do with everything. This is right. the way that the government treats is, is you're not going to tell people that you're going to imprison them. You're going to convince them to build their own prison and live there. <laughs> and so that's, that's how this works. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's exactly what I think is, is, has been going on. And it's what I think happened to Bitcoin. Uh, and and we're in that. We are living in that Bitcoin prison that we created for ourselves, frankly. And I think to your point about wars, I mean, they are just money laundering operations. Look what's going on in Ukraine. That's all it is. It, yeah, it's yeah, all it's it is. Just fake. It, it's just all made <laughs> up, you know. And it's just money laundering. God knows where that money's going. And and you know, I mean, it's just yeah. it's just bonkers. Well, okay, a couple more. This oh, we got another geeky one too. Oh, the geeks are coming out of the woodwork here. It's great. I don't know how they found us. How they even? I didn't know so many geeks listened to. It. Let me see if I can. There find we it. go. Yeah, it's great. Let me. I. I think I. Oh, I got off in a second. Okay, here it is. So, mm-hmm. what does your guest think of layer twos on BTC, such as the Lightning Network for faster payments? What is that? Tell us what Lightning Network. Is. <coughs> So, so we didn't really talk about the block size aspect of, of the Bitcoin civil war. Uh, fundamentally, civil war. Bitcoin was designed to be fast, cheap, and reliable payments. Right. BTC was sort of re-engineered to be, well, not that. <laughs> Slow, expensive, and, and you know, unknown settlement time when there's a lot of congestion. In Is the that network. right? So it's, the way- it's unknown, it's slow, and opposite of yeah. the original okay so, some days it costs 10 cents to send a transaction some days it costs ten dollars wow. sometimes your confirmation happens in 10 minutes sometimes it happens in three days and the reason is completely congestion so if okay. the network is booked then it's like you know you have a one one lane highway and the toll booth can't process all your payments and also the toll just went up to a hundred dollars if you want to get on the highway hmm. uh now bsv the way that bsv went about that is to just get rid of the block size limit and say look there's no reason to create arbitrary congestion on the network. People should be able to do business reliably and, and that's it. Now, BTC's caveat to that was, is no, 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 we should keep the base layer expensive because that extra value that's being created for infrastructure providers can uh, help secure it. Uh, and we want there to be lots of these little nodes that I, that I mentioned before. Um, but don't worry, we're going to create a whole second system that connects tangentially to Bitcoin that allows you to spend uh, sort of like a wrapped Bitcoin or sort of an IOU for a Bitcoin. Uh, and this is what they they uh, conceived as Lightning Network. Now, Lightning Network uses a completely different type of network topology to create a payment channel system. So if me and you wanted to transact over Lightning Network, I would need you to open up a channel and then create an invoice that I need to send payments to. But in order to do that, I also need to open up a channel, stake some Bitcoins, move Bitcoins onto this second network, wait for confirmations. And then, and then like once I'm there, then I do all my business on lightning network. And at some point, you know, un- undeterminate, I would settle it all to Bitcoin at, at, at some time in the future. So, uh, I think it's absurdly complicated. Like it adds a layer of complexity to what is already a complex system. Uh, Bitcoin itself is not the easiest thing to understand for a lot of people. And so now you're adding 
uh, added complexity. Uh, you're also adding, um, you know, just other other secondarily, uh, they use this concept like, well, it's a layer. It's built on Bitcoin, and it's not. It, it is not. It doesn't use Bitcoin foundationally. It doesn't use the Bitcoin stack. It doesn't use the Bitcoin network for anything. It's a completely separate network. And so uh, I liken it to how your bar tab is not part of MasterCard's network. And so when you know when MasterCard runs out of capacity, they're not just going to tell people like, hey, you know, we're just not going to invest in scaling anymore. Just just start opening tabs at the grocery store and the department store and the restaurants and and just just transact once every 30 days, please. And that'll solve the congestion issues of MasterCard for another 5 billion people. Oh. Like that's an absurd conversation, but it's precisely the one that is had in Bitcoin with the Lightning Network. And so I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's engineered horribly. Its adoption has been terrible. It's been around for six or seven years and still has uh, statistically basically zero users. And even now, your transactions, if you try to send more than $100 in a single transaction, you're still more likely to fail than it is to succeed. And so from a technical standpoint, it also is absurdly untrustworthy. I, I wouldn't use any tool in any situation that had a 60% chance of, of success. I would spend nothing on that. But from a passivity uh, gold at the end of the rainbow, BTC is pretty attractive, though. I mean, it really is. I mean, if you had, I don't know, $100 million, you could, you could buy it today, and you're probably going to make a whole bunch of money in five years. Sure. Probably. Well, and that's, yeah, and that's the meme. It's, yeah. it's a beautiful meme mm. that, <laughs> hey, you can, you can get rich, and no one can stop you. <laughs> And if you want to transact it, no one can stop that either. But it's, I mean, that's just like anything. This is, sure. Yeah. yeah I, like I, I used to sit up and watch infomercials in the 90s about how I could be a real estate investor, right. even though I didn't sure. have any damn money. Right, right. Well, you don't <laughs> like, need any money. Zero down. Right? Yeah. So, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, well, what, what has happened with some countries? Haven't some countries legalized? Venezuela, oh, is it oh, Ecuador? It, no. Yes, uh, El Salvador. El Salvador, uh, that's what I was thinking. Made of. Bitcoin BTC uh, legal tender. What is that done? Meaning that what every that merchant done? in the country must accept it as as cash, essentially. I see. Yeah, has that has that uh, built a Bitcoin meme there in El Salvador? Oh, it's it's certainly built the meme. Yeah. Uh, the the fascist dictator that runs that country uh, <laughs> became a full time uh, Bitcoin advocate for about two years. Uh, he's lost his country a lot of money because he invested a ton of a country like treasury money into at the top of the market. It's yet to recover. Uh -huh. um, he has since removed a lot of his Bitcoin regalia from his Twitter profile, but. Ultimately, um, you know, the, the, the technology doesn't make a lot of sense in a country where it's not uncommon to live on less than $20 a week, uh, especially when the fee per transaction can some days be $20. And so uh, the sort of adoption rate is going to do really well for wealthy aristocrats, but every investment does pretty well for wealthy aristocrats. And so yeah, I, uh, I always do well. You know, I look at. I look at El Salvador and say, well, great, the ruling class of a fascist dictatorship, like they they needed a helping hand and they sure got it. So <laughs> here's another one for uh, Jason before we, uh, Kurt, before we let you go. I've watched the BSV and BCH Bitcoin cash prices in terms of BTC 
does the BSV BTC rate concern you given the trend is down? What is he saying here? I don't quite. Oh, if you so, do, yeah. Yeah. yeah, essentially, if if you had sold all of your Bitcoin Cash or your Bitcoin SV for BTC, you have outperformed right. the market generally. Like b- nothing has performed over time better than BTC as an investment. So either versus the dollar. So in the last fifteen years, BTC Bitcoin has been the best investment, uh, maybe in investment history that we know of. Yeah, but if you had uh, for example, just bought BSV at any point in the last three years, you've actually, you've lost money. Yeah. And so, and it's actually mostly true with BTC too. We've been in a bear market for almost three years anyways. But, um, the, the problem is, is, you know, we're talking about trend or, you know, why trend is what it is. And it's, it's, it's a very complicated concept when we talk about, uh, Amazon, for example, didn't make a lot of money just for investors, for stock traders, for anybody for a very long time. But it was fundamentally a very disruptive business that was focused on, we're going to spend all of our money on R&D to become an extremely valuable resource in the economy that we think is coming. And BSV is, is much the same way. Like companies like uh, mine, like we're doing research and development into how to make the actual promises of Bitcoin and, and blockchain technology uh, generically, like how to bring these to fruition. And so if you believe that we are ahead of the curve, if you believe any of these things could happen, and maybe we're you know focused on fundamentals that other people are ignoring, maybe it's the best investment opportunity of a lifetime. But you know, d- does trend concern me? Like, not really. Um, the entire economy concerns me. <laughs> Um, you know, the the question is, is are we going to be better in five years than we were today? Mm -hmm. And, and, and the, the answer is really complicated because I think we're headed for de-dollarization of the globe. I think we're headed for massive recession. I think we have a lot of major problems in the global economy and the things that BSV does introduce efficiencies that can't be introduced in any other way. And they're not small. There are things that fundamentally add, you know, exponential efficiency to parts of the economy that that want to collapse right now. And if if we invest in these things and we create things that actually make people's lives better, and we make the economy actually more efficient, we make things actually fair where people uh, who produce value get that value instead of it being, you know, distributed to all kinds of <laughs> parasites and predators. Like th- these are things worth fighting for. And so mm. if BSV trends to zero and so does the whole economy, we're all screwed anyways, yeah. right? I got you. Let's <laughs> so. take this uh, phone call a second. Uh, good morning. Who's this? You're yeah. on the air. This is Sean and Sharon up here in Seattle. How are we doing? We're doing pretty good. What do you think, Sean? You got a question, comment? Yes. I still haven't had anybody that's in the crypto world explain to me how they believe that Bitcoin or anything is decentralized when 100% of everything that's done digitally on the internet transfer, you know, the internet was created by DARPA. Anybody who wants to research it, Sean doesn't control the internet. Patrick doesn't control the internet. Nobody, none of us boys control the internet except for the boys that run the world. So, how can anybody think that anything that is done digitally is decentralized? I want somebody to explain that okay. to me. Well, he'll explain it. Uh, 
What do you think, Kurt? So it's a great question, first of all. Uh, decentralization is something that exists on a continuum. It's, it's not binary. So like the, the, the internet itself, I would argue, is mostly decentralized from a persistence standpoint. So if there were sunspots on half the planet, the internet on the other half of the planet is not necessarily going to go away. It'll, it'll be basically fine. And so that's one definition of, of decentralization that I think the internet itself does actually have, and, and so does Bitcoin. Uh, the concept is, is you can't knock the network down by knocking down one node or 10 nodes or half the network even. like It will persist. It'll still be there. And I, and I think that's an important aspect of of decentralization with a with a lowercase d now where the the meme takes off this like bitcoin is impenetrable bitcoin is unstoppable bitcoin is outside of the law and government and property rights nobody on earth can stop it like if if the heavens opened up and god sent down his angels bitcoin <laughs> would would survive the apocalypse and i think that that is absurd and i think that's the point that you're making is that Ultimately, uh, I, I agree with you. Bitcoin is not completely unstoppable. Uh, in fact, in this interview, we've talked about a few ways why I think or how I think Bitcoin has been stopped without even letting people know that it's been stopped. People are, uh, you know, investing in a Bitcoin system that they think makes them more free while it actually does not. And, and, and I think that's the way that it goes. So to, to answer your question, uh, people believe that decentralization exists because they're conditioned to, uh, and and I think that it makes everybody feel good at night. It's like saying we're we're safe and free because of, you know, the the police and the military or something. Like it's a it's a nice thought, but ultimately uh, these are things that can turn on you on a dime, and it's very easy uh, to turn you into a criminal and and have those police and military treat you like a an enemy combatant or or a criminal and and get rid of you. And I, I think those risks are real. Um, but we ultimately, I think we can build things that are ultimately better. And, and, and this is what I think is crucial, is that the real Bitcoin, if Bitcoin is implemented the way that Bitcoin is designed to be implemented, and if we can have a very fundamental conversation about why the truth always matters, then you could create a persistent network that is itself uh, like a, a truth machine. Like this is the kind of thing where data can't be censored. Well, then all of a sudden it becomes very difficult to even confuse people. And, and that's crucial. Uh, but that's why I think we're under attack is, is because the real disruption of Bitcoin uh, disrupts those power structures that, that really do not want us to be decentralized and so far have succeeded at, at making any blockchain network, you know, it's, it's decentralization and name only. So that's where I'm at. Well, I, I guess, you know, I mean, anybody that has a brain, they know, and they've done the research, you know, China controls 100% of the internet at, on, in the Chinese realm. Sure. I mean, yep. I have, I have, I have so, so anybody to think that there, there's even 1% of decentralization if it's done digitally, I mean, I, 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 I make money. I, I show people how to make money. Making money is easy. There, you can make money in Bitcoin and altcoins and in trading the forex and real estate and doing anything in the sure. world. It's and and I have no problem with it. And yeah, I made you know made money in the crypto market. Yes, but for for this meme and it, it's just a meme for you know for it to be decentralized. Anything done in the world is digital. 
is not controlled by us peons. I mean, it's just like the crypto world. I mean, one of the Rockefellers could buy up the entire crypto market uh, with with a million different uh, uh, wallets. It w- and that would be a cup of coffee for them, you know. And, and I yeah. just. I just, okay. I, I just have a problem with it. everybody always say, "Oh, it's decentralized." It's like, what am I? G-? Decentralized <laughs> is when I give you a hundred dollar bill and then you give Patrick a hundred dollar bill. That's decentralized. Right. <laughs> you know, nobody no, can track that. I think you're right. I mean, the, just with people celebrating, uh, you know, the entrance of BlackRock and hey, we're going to make a Bitcoin ETF, and people are celebrating, and I'm looking at it and saying, "Man, what are the strings attached to a BlackRock ETF?" Like, it's. I, I think you're absolutely right. Like I, I am not a, you know, kumbaya. We are unstoppable because blockchain. I it, like I, I am a pragmatist. I'm an advocate. I love it, but uh, there's a lot of very real problems that need to be worked out. And I think they only work out if we focus on making them more integrated into the economy. If if they stay this sort of crypto niche, we we've all lost already. If okay. if we become the cornerstone of the global economy. Uh, through real use, you know, th- then I think these things could actually become decentralized, but I don't think we're anywhere near there yet. Okay, Sean, thank you so much for calling. Good, good question. So, you know, that's somebody else was emailing in the idea. I'm really enjoying hearing what your guest has to say, but it seems to me that for BSV to go up in value, people would really have to understand the the, the philosophy about it and the motives and all of that. And isn't that a, a stretch with with the uh, you know with, with the users today? I'm just paraphrasing. This is what he's saying, right, in the email. And it's a good question, right? Because who, who's going to who's going to take the time to understand what you guys are really about? Not you guys, but BSV is about, and why it might be more valuable five years from now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an education thing, yeah. and truly, you know, telling the story of Bitcoin, just telling the truth about Bitcoin is bullish for BSV. <laughs> and so uh, the more you understand about how the system is bootstrapped and what it does and how it works. Um, hang on one sec. My wife just sent me a text message that I have to respond go to. Ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, we're wrapping up here with Kurt Ruckert, uh, W-U-C-K-E-R-T. It is KurtRuckertJr.com. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, but but no, the, the point is, is, it's just like anything else. It's how do we how do we stop global poverty? And the answer is is well, gosh, I mean, education is is one of those things you can say, but then it's like, okay, well, what are we teaching them? Well, it depends who you who they are. Some people need to learn how to base just how to read and how to do how to dig a well and how to plant plants like a you know systematically, and and this will bring exponential value over the next decade. Mm-hmm. That's that's something. Now. What you know? How do we get more people to know BSV? Well, that's a that's a different problem to solve. And frankly, it looks a lot like what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to your audience, who mm-hmm. is not, um, yeah, who's who's not uh, educated on on the concept now. And as more people look into it, you know, I, I have to presume that somebody in your audience will will look into it and say, hmm. This is really interesting. The whole Bitcoin civil war is a little weird. And well, isn't isn't it weird that the biggest investor is MasterCard and some of these other things? And then and then these ideas, you know, maybe they snowball. Uh, but really, it's not even about the ideas. I don't just want there to be like lots of good YouTube content about like Bitcoin conspiracies. I want people to build a business that can't be built in any other way. Mm. And these 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 are things like disrupt the marketing economy, disrupt uh, you know, peer-to-peer 
uh, trade, disrupt the ownership, like title transfer economy or global remittance. Like these are businesses where an entrepreneur can make a billion dollars using a tool that everybody else is not paying attention to. Mm. And that like, that's the power. And so that's my challenge for people. Uh, I'm moving out of uh, talk shows and into, I'm going to, I'm writing screenplays and I'm going to produce films. That's my next career. So how could I use BSV there? Could I in any way? Sure. I mean, there's, there are ways where you can have uh, like tokenized ownership, for example, Uh, in film, one of the, one of the real problems in the film industry is, is making sure that people get paid properly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so most of the cost is is lawyers and all this other stuff. Who Co- owns these rights? Cocaine. Who owns distribution yeah, rights? Whatever. Who owns royalty rights? Yeah. And yeah. what you could do is you can establish all of this at the very beginning. And you hold a token that gets paid uh, a certain amount for being the writer, producer, or whatever you are. But same with like the lighting, you know, the, the rigging team. And, and so can the cameraman. And so can all these people. And they get their cut, whatever they negotiate, in perpetuity. And it's all established at the very beginning. And maybe, you know, maybe your cameraman gets paid 300 bucks a day, Uh but then he gets a 0.0001% royalty forever on the film. And so now he becomes a, you know, an equity holder in the product that he's doing in such a way that's so small. Yeah. I like that. That, that, you know, you couldn't do this practically in the fiat economy, but he might wake up every day and have, oh, okay, I just got paid out six bucks overnight, you yeah. know, and, and, and the, the kind of thing where nobody would send you a $6 check, but, but when you do it in aggregate and say, okay, I'm supposed to get my quarterly check. They hope you forget. They hope that you're not thinking, Hey, did I get my last check three months? I don't even remember. Yeah. Cause it would have only been, you know, $900 or something, but you know, and, but, but you can automate like the, the real perk on, on something like that, where it's kind of a big complex, takes mm-hmm. a lot of people to make a movie. Mm-hmm. You can sort of automate all of this at the beginning and have, have the machine sort of work forever, but you can also have it that the print, you can have the final master print could actually be uploaded, uploaded to the blockchain where it can never be lost. It can never be censored. It can never be uh, well, damaged upload by the, the film to the blockchain. It's just a database. Just a Blockchains are just databases. Wow. It's just distributed. What's what's interesting to me is, you know, one of the big deals is to raise money to to make a movie. Say we have a screenplay, $15 million budget. Okay, let's find some dudes and dudettes and raise the money and make this sucker, right? It's interesting if you could use the SBV or some other um, thing um, to to make it really attractive if this film gets made and all of a sudden starts making money in China or whatever, right? Right to to give them a hit more to get their money paid right get their mm-hmm. get their Absolutely. profit yeah that'd be pretty cool yeah Would yeah you- so I mean tokenization of that like investors can do it instead of holding a uh, you know a paper note they can hold a digital note um, you know they can redeem it when, whenever they feel like it could also you know the token itself could have its own numismatic value like there's there's a lot of interesting things that could be done on the financial and on the technical aspects of a film. So, you know, some of the other things is, you know, this proliferation of AI in film. This is what this strike is about in Hollywood right I know, now. They're I know, arguing, yeah. hey, we're all about to get replaced by computers. And, uh, you know, maybe that's good or maybe it's terrible. Oh, I, I guess I'd be pretty bad. freaked out if I was Matt Damon. But <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, really, film is about emotion and story and, and you know, uh, everything. And 
faults and yep. overcoming obstacles and you know the AI is just one big it's just another database right and it's only going to be producing more stuff that you see already because it's not intelligent sure. isn't it and Kurt it's just not intelligent I mean how could it be intelligent yeah. it doesn't think it's just a database yeah. isn't it just a yep. da- just a database mm-hmm. just a database. well that's that, that that's the beauty of it so by all means, go, go disrupt the film industry. With, I'm going to go with, do it. Okay. Uh, BSV, gonna, give me something to think about, <laughs> sir. Thank you so much for being here. Sorry to keep you so long, but it's been fun. I learned a lot and I appreciate for it. For sure. Yeah. Thank you, Kurt. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's been fun for me too. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Patrick Timpone, yep. OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, there you go. I mean, see, you probably know much more about Bitcoin and stuff than you ever did ever. More than we bargained for. Kurt Ruckert Jr. W-U-C-K-E-R-T. See, I like that whole thing about using maybe BSV for the film thing. I mean, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? See, already you're going to want to invest in our movies now that you're going to get a little piece of the action. (laughs) Well, uh, let me do a little plug here for a friend of mine. And that would be Fred Dostoevsky. If the idea of bitcoins and BSVs and BCHs and make your head explode, well, you can invest in gold and silver coins and all you do is send them a check or credit card and buy some gold and silver coins, right? There you go. That's all you do. He just sells real American money. That's it. No uh, bullion or silver, even though we think silver is a Pretty good, pretty good thing to get your little hands on these days. You can purchase uh, what they call currency silver from Fred Dashevsky at the Real World of Money. Uh, his place is called U.S. Coin Capital, and you can buy real American money. And then you can buy, if you'd like, silver in the form of pre-1965 dimes, quarters, and halves in silver dollars. And these babies have a whole bunch of uh, silver in there. So if silver, silver ever makes a big move, which we think it will someday, uh, then you're going to have some real silver that's American money. That's not a, a, a you know a bar or something. You, know, you can't cut that up. You just got to sell the whole thing. So that's why coin silver is pretty cool. You can get that from uh, U.S. Coin Capital, 800-878-2646. Or... If you want to step up a notch and buy a 1928 um, St. Gaudens coin, Um, a lot of these coins were sent over to uh, Europe and they were held in vaults during the 20s because of all the craziness going on in the Roaring Twenties. And these coins all came back and many of them are in just brilliant, brilliant um, shape. And you can invest in these guys. And, um, you know, funny, uh, gold is kind of like uh, Bitcoin. Right? People will start buying it more as it goes up in value rather than when it goes down. So um, it's in- interesting, the, the human connection in gold. And that. So check it out, 800-878-2646, U.S. Coin Capital. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks, to Kurt, for being here. And we will see you tomorrow, and that's going to be with uh, Dr. Richard Massey. 
He's generally on, whoops, I don't want to do that one. He's generally on the, the first Monday, but I just totally went brain dead. Forgot all about this was, the I mean, the third Monday. Sorry, I just, I lost it. I don't know what happened, but I lost it, and um, I didn't lose it, but I just forgot. And uh, so Richard Massey will be here tomorrow, Adam Bergstrom on Adam 2.0 on Wednesday. It's the third week uh, of the month, which I didn't realize it was. Because I think I just casually looked at the calendar and there's five Mondays and, you know, that's how it goes. Thanks for your support. Anything that I can do to help you, I'd appreciate it. Uh, Just uh, email me and we'll do it. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. See you tomorrow with Dr. Massey. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.